So I don't know if you've noticed. First of all, are you are you one of those bring on Christmas guys, or do you prefer to wait until after Thanksgiving has happened? I'm twelve oh one on Friday. I'm okay with it. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Just just generally as a fat guy, a holiday centered around stuffing your face and watching football appeals to me. So I don't really like the once Halloween is over, we're just going to skip ahead to Christmas and crass consumerism. Um, But I don't want anyone to think that it's some kind of like noble uh, uh, issue that I have with it. It's really just that I get mad that everyone skips over the part where we get to eat a bunch of turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes. That seems that seems like a smart move. I, my main issue with it is that um, it takes away from like when like you start seeing Christmas lights, like when they're slowly sprinkled through. I just remember before it became more common for people to do it before Thanksgiving, it'd be like the day after all of a sudden all these houses were lit up and that was really fun and cool. And I feel like now it's like, oh, look, another house has decided to put their lights up and it just kind of takes away from me. Yeah, you're being sentimental. I I just want to have. You just want food. Yeah, I just want some macaroni and cheese. But I have noticed walking around the stores as all the Christmas stuff is already out that their advent calendars have become a thing. Have you noticed this? No, but that's mainly because I don't I don't notice anything. So you wander around and they have advent calendars of bath bombs over in the in the ladies' beauty section. Uh, there's all sorts of ones where you get like little Lego minifigures. There's the uh, the famous Aldi advent calendar that's a bunch of different wines. Yeah, I've seen that before. And it just feels like things have gone really overboard. And of course, the whole point of an advent calendar is to teach children about what advent is and why we celebrate it. And the one that gives away wine just seems like it's kind of missing the mark <laughs> of, the, of what it's for. The only one that really makes sense to me is one that has, uh, for each day, it has a sample of cheese. Because as we all know, Christmas is all about the baby cheeses. Soccer chat with two T's. Because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Welcome to episode whatever this is of Soccer Chat. So that's the question. Do we start referring to this as the first episode of season two, or does that not start until the actual season or preseason starts? Like, I, where do you cut it if you're still doing off season? Like, is this season two off season, right? It's not the off season for season one. Yeah, I feel like we should do a Twitter poll. That would generate and, tons of engagement. <laughs> yeah, because people really care about numbering of podcasts. <laughs> I feel like we're still in season one, haven't crossed over to season two just yet. Okay. That's me. Right. They haven't come back into camp for preseason, so I would say we're still in episode one or season one. So, okay. Because that's going to affect it because you know, I have to do this numbering. So, so this will be episode 36 of season one, not just episode 36 of overall right. season two, episode one. Got it. Okay. For those of you buying the complete box set of Soccer Chat. Right. It, it's available only from China on eBay. It's, it's weird. It, it, we couldn't get it done here. Um, yeah, so episode 36 of Soccer Chat. This will be one of the first full kind of truly off-season podcasts. Technically, uh, the USL Championship 
final hasn't happened yet, but by the time this releases, all American soccer sports will be um, in their off season. So as we head in the off season, congratulations Louisville, <laughs> or congratulations uh, Real Monarchs. Right, and in theory, a, a good podcaster would edit that. I'm not going to. So, uh, congratulations to whoever that was. Think of it as if you're like the um, T-shirts that were made for the Buffalo Bills in the early 90s. All right? It, someone kept expecting it to happen, and it never did. If you get a hold of one of those, send it to me, because I would love a collection of Super Bowl loser championship shirts. I'm just saying. All right, so there's a ton, actually, for us to cover going into this uh, first offseason, and, and specifically first... Let's just jump right in with what's really important to us when it comes to the Red Wolves, and that's player announcements have started. Um, what's your view of how they're doing it? And uh, we'll, we'll kind of go one by one over the five that have been released so far. So I have been enjoying the slow drip. I think it's a good thing to keep conversation going. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be terrible if they were maybe to offer a couple on a particular day, but I, I like the slow drip. Like two for Tuesday? Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's uh, almost as good as Hursty Thursday. So, yeah, it's been good. It's generated some conversation. I have noticed a uptick in excitement with other Red Wolves fans that I've kept in touch with through the offseason, uh, talking to people and hearing things and, you know, just kind of seeing the engagement on Facebook with their announcements and other social media. So I think it's it's been a pretty good rollout. And, it you know, we were all very antsy, so I'm glad that they're finally coming. And I will say I prefer that to the way Richmond just dropped their 12 people and here it is. Um, because I think it would have – the drop the 12 would be great for us as podcasters, right? Because then we just do a do a, a quote-unquote emergency pod and we review what they've who they've let go, who they've kept. So it makes for easy content for us. Yeah. But from a fan standpoint, you're right. Engagement's up. Um, there recently was a – a fans page created on Facebook and every day that they make an announcement, more people seem to join that as that, and that's slowly growing. So it, it's, it is obviously creating interest and in, in growth. Um, I will say a little bit disappointed with who they've announced because some of them were like the most obvious announcements ever. Um, like, like, like they had already rumored had already trickled out like that. Stephen Beatty was on a two year deal. Right. right. Um, and, but there have been a couple that are like, hey, we didn't know and we were hoping. Like like Alex Mangles, there was no guarantee. We didn't know for sure. In fact, he wasn't the original planned goalkeeper for the season, right? Yeah. So like, we weren't sure how that contract looked. We weren't sure as great as he was how realistic it was to bring back because there's a lot of rumors that are trying to cut some costs. Um, so it's really good to see him back because you know, second team all league, you know, that means you're considered the second best goalkeeper out of 10. That's pretty darn good. Right, and that would probably generate some interest from upper levels, people that are interested in, in maybe bringing you on to help bolster what they're doing, so that they're able to seal that and bring him back for another year, have the goal pretty well covered. Uh, it's going to be good as they build moving forward through the rest of the year. Yeah, and I think, um, so let's just go right in. So Alex was the first announcement. And um, that's really exciting. And I think the other part of it is, I think if you're on the fence of the defender and you're trying to figure out, like, is this a team I want to go to, knowing who's behind you may sway you a little bit to know, hey, I make a mistake, it's not going to kill us. It, it may be someone that you want to play with. You can see the players that they've announced so far have been really high-caliber 
traditionally like the ones that we want to talk about staying. And I think Alex falls in that same line. So when I go and say, is this, does this, this seem like a no brainer? Like you keep Alex, that's, that's a no brainer. Cause if you don't have him, your next choice is either keep Will who played in zero games or go get a whole new keeper. And who knows what you're going to get out of that. So I think a plus good, good, good decision. I would recommend any, anyone listening that has kids or your teammates of your kid who are in goal to definitely find time to watch Alex Mangle's work. He, you know, he, you see his skill. He's very good stopping shots from distance. Um, most of the time when he got scored on, it was those balls that came right across the face of the six yard box with people running in. Um, you know, the sort of thing that's generally not usually his fault. It's a, you know, an issue with man marking by the defenders and there's only so much a keeper can do in that close Real good at stopping shots from distance, uh, covering all the angles. And throughout a game, if you're behind the net listening to him, he is always talking. Always talking to the defenders, letting them know that this guy that's over here on your right shoulder is crossing over to your left shoulder now. uh, So that the defenders can be aware of who these players are, that they don't lose that guy. And, uh, and so it was, it was really fun to watch through the year and listen to him as much as you could over the drums and things like that from the supporter section. Um, he really is a good goalkeeper, uh, someone that you would, uh, would want to try to emulate as you're trying to grow your own career for a lot of kids around the area that, that play, go, play in goal. And I think the other thing to keep in mind, he led the league in saves. And the reason he led the league in saves is partly because he had so many shots on him. Right. The other part of it... Um, was because he just he genuinely made some saves that nobody would have said if they got past him that it was his fault. Like just ridiculous saves were made left and right, and we it almost became commonplace. I think it, for us to to watch it from a fan standpoint, it was just it was really exciting to see. The other thing I, I want to kind of say is partly had to do with the way that we set up our team. Right, we we played that Jose Mourinho, you know, keep keep it in the back of the area, trust your defense and then occasionally throw it over the top, which did not work for us, obviously. Right. And I think that's part of why he got scored on as much as he did was he had so many few clean sheets was the setup of the team. And I fully expect this next coach is going to come in and have a completely different style, which we may start to see a lot more clean sheets out of Alex. So for the first signing announced, super excited. I think it was a great move. Agreed. All right, so let's let's go ahead and move on to the next one announced. Well, not a big surprise there either, do you think? No, as late um, in the season as Greg Hurst joined the team, I kind of expected him to be back for another season, try to get a full year, see how he can continue to develop. But he was an instant impact from the moment he joined the team, coming from Scotland, and brought a great dynamic of speed on the outside. He very quickly started combining very well with Cito Sayon and uh, had, of course, his two games in the heartbreaking loss in Lansing, um, scored another goal or two before the season ran out. Um, so I was really excited to see him back, and I'm very excited to see what he can do when he's got a full season. He'll be settled here in the U.S. and comfortable, and uh, so we'll, I'm really excited about that. So, I mean, I've been pretty clear that I was excited about his style of play, watching a lot of the stuff on YouTube that he did while he was in Scotland and then just watching him here. Um, I wouldn't mind him hitting the weight room just, you know, once maybe in his career because he is a very skinny guy. Um, and I think it could work to his advantage. There was a number of times he was just kind of pushed off the ball. Right. Um, but you don't want to, to, to 
circumvent his speed. I'm very excited about him being back, and not just because I wear a huge Scotland flag while I'm at the games. Um, that could be part of it, though. But it's also because I think he changed the way we we attacked, right? I think watching him and Sione and Beatty and watching the three of them interact, and then if if you've got someone like Eamon Zide on the bench, you've got the right balance of types of players, right? Because Eamon right. and him are not the same player. While before before you had him, you didn't – have somebody that you can trust to keep the ball at their feet. Whether it was Mari or Yaya, neither of them really seemed to produce anything. And so it was like, if we want to actually get a shot off, you've got Eamon and no one else. And now I feel like by having him, you have another choice of someone you can trust to get a shot off of the ball at his feet. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, moving on to the the next announcement was Eamon Zide. Um, you know, a bit of an older player, someone who is on his way to retirement did not have as much production as I think a lot of us had hoped when you see all the different highlights and hear people talk about what he did earlier in his career. And here again, I think it came to the setup of the team. I remember Coach Hankinson in January when they're introducing some of these players talking about his ability to get lost in the shuffle and pop up open for someone to make a pass or to poke a goal in. And then they played a style that was let's pass it around the back as long as possible and then throw a long ball and have Eamon Zide chase it down. And that's not his game. And if you look at like the, the goals that he had, they were those type of goals. Like, right. Like the one that it always comes to mind as a as a, someone who stood in the supporter section is the, is the goal that he scored that was just – it was a, a trash ball that's just kind of hanging around in the box – he gets in the right spot, puts it over there, and jumps two fences to go celebrate with the fans. Right. That's what he described in January. That's not – and partly why he probably didn't play that much going from the middle of the season on was because he didn't fit the scheme. I'll tell you, the one, one of the ones that always stuck with me was a preseason match that I went to watch. They were playing a local college team, and he had like a player that he basically gave a piggyback ride and came in to the middle and headed in a corner kick. <laughs> it was just this really impressive – you know, he kind of just beat the guy on the run, got lost in the middle of things, and headed the ball in. I see with the play, most of the players that they've announced, Stephen Beattie, Greg Hurst, Ami Pineda, we're hoping that Cito Sayon is coming back. We have rumors that he, he should be back on the team. Uh, we're hoping to hear him announced. And those are guys who can be making runs around him that cause the defenders to lose where he is so that he can pounce on yep. that trash that's in front of the net. Yeah, 100%. So speaking of, of Ami Pineda, he was the probably, for me, the most surprising early announcement. Like I, I, I thought the people that we weren't more confident in would be the people they waited on. Sure. Like I thought the next announcement was going to be Cito Sione because the rumor mill is that he had some sort of appearance clause or something like that that had kicked in and right. so that he was going to be here no matter what. Um, similar to Eamon, I think the rumor was he was on a two-year, BD was on a two-year already, like guaranteed two years. Sure. So those were like the rumor mills. Like We don't know that for sure, but enough different sources tell us that that we start to feel confident in it. Right. And Ami wasn't one of those, right? Ami was this guy that when he played, he played great, but a lot of times he didn't play. And you're going, well, are they going to bring him back? He has championship history. One of the rumors is that we're trying to cut some costs. Somebody with championship history may be one of the more expensive. I don't know. I don't look at their right. books. Um so I'm excited about it because every time I felt like he was in the game, we were more of an aggressive style team, which was more fun to watch. Um, but at the same time, I'm ready for for to hear some defenders. 
Like, I keep looking yeah. at this going, technically, Beatty's a defender, which I honestly did not fully know until listening to the next 90 podcast that Richard Dixon has put together. And if you haven't got a chance to listen to it, I'm going to plug it. It's not associated with the Beautiful Game Network, um, but it's a it's an opportunity to listen to professionals talk about what it means to be a professional, how they got where they're at. And during that interview that he had with Beatty, Beatty talks about that he was a right back at Cork City. I feel like an idiot for not knowing because I watched a ton of his highlights after we assigned him, but all of his highlights are, are goals and assists. And so it just never clicked. A lot of those are coming from midfield and further back that he's starting right. it up. Well, if you play as Stephen Beatty on FIFA 19 with Cork City, you see that he's a right back. So that's how I knew that. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. Wait, he's in FIFA 19? I thought he wasn't in 19. I thought he was in 18. Yeah, they ran a roster update, so it's hard to find him. Okay. Um, but anyway, that's kind of neither here nor there. But <laughs> I'm excited to see that Steven's coming back. I would really expect him to play more of that central midfielder role that he settled into towards the end of the year, uh, maybe alongside Ami Pineda, who was another one that played in that role, especially during that eight-game unbeaten streak that they had in the middle of the season, that he was there and you could tell he was someone that was really affecting the play and yeah. the offensive nature. And then all of a sudden he seemed to have fallen out of favor and the team's hopes kind of dwindled there for a little while. And then it kind of, when they made their push at the end and played pretty well to try to qualify for that playoff spot, he was there and was part of that. So I'm really excited to see Ami. He's a very young man. He has a lot of potential. Um, and I think it's great that they see that and they're willing to bring him back and hopefully give him a, a larger role going forward this season. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we're at a point, you know, if you just look at the five players, legitimately all five of these players can be starting. Like, there's no overlap. Should be, um, <laughs> On these five players. So that's a good sign that we're not just signing the cheapest that's available. Um because that was one of the rumors that was out there was, well, whoever the cheapest contracts that they can get is who you're going to see come back. Because let's be honest, the attendance was down the second half of the season for us. The attendance was down for CFC um, in the second half of the season. And that fear of how is this going to work in August, September, October during college football season, how many fans are we going to bring in to offset costs is a real fear. And so to see them announcing players that I think Alex has got to be a pretty expensive contract. He came from uh, Portland Timbers too. He, he's got experience. He's not someone who's a young guy coming up from, you know, the Dalton Red Wolves or Park City right. Red Wolves. And so I'm very excited to see what they've done so far. I've been happy with every single one of the announcements. Um, none of these have gone to me and gone, wait, what? Why are we keeping him? Like he didn't produce. And me feel like it's strictly just they want to have a number, another body in there that's cheap. I haven't felt that way yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, I understand the cost issue considering the stadium construction is going on. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty big investment that they're making there. There were a lot of costs associated with last year and trying to get the, the season started that I think a lot of people don't even realize. If you listen to Capital Combustion, our, our friends up in Lansing, talking to the GM and talking about what sort of things that they had to try to do to get the season started, and that being a factor in why Lansing is uh, no longer in USL League One. So there was a few of those costs, and they're trying to kind of trim those back and get this and, stadium built. And the Red Bulls had even more costs than, than Lansing had. They started an academy. They helped with the women's team that was started up. Like They, they started had, two League Two teams. Yeah, they, they had a lot of expenses, which says it's not that Bob's not willing to spend the money. I think he just feels like we spent a lot. In my understanding is we had the most expensive – payroll last year in league one is at least that's one of the ones again 
rumor mill things that's out there, but sure. multiple sources saying that, and we finished fifth. So part of me wonders if he's going, if we're going to finish fifth, can we do it without spending way more than everybody else? Sure. I think also, you know, looking to get young and hungry to fill in some of these experienced players that they're bringing back, like Stephen Beattie, uh, fingers crossed Richard Dixon. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, Eamon Zide, who has a lot to teach a younger attacking player like Greg Hurst or someone else that they're bringing in. Bringing in some of those young and hungry guys, when you look at the final table, Greenville, North Texas, Lansing, players that were in the championship, you know, you look at what happened with Richmond, you look at what happened with us, some of the people that brought in a little bit older players weren't quite as successful. So I think there's something to be said for bringing in those guys that have something to prove as opposed to having kind of the older team of guys that maybe want to get themselves noticed to get back into the next level or they know that they've maybe got a couple more years that they're going to play and then they're going to be done and you know may not be quite as motivated. So I think that's part of a strategy that they're looking to do and I would not be too upset with that. Uh, especially if it just leads to a little bit more uh, dynamic, exciting soccer. Yeah, I would agree with that. So you got anything else you want to talk about when it comes to the Red Wolves? Because one of the great things about an off-season podcast is we're able to kind of focus on the rest of the soccer world. No, I don't have any other stuff. Uh, We're excited. Uh, Do you want to do... Alex's Stone Cold Prediction Machine says that Leo Fala will be the next announced player. Okay. Uh, I guess this is going to be a couple of days. So that'll be Mondays. And then Tuesday... Nicholas Amponsa. So we've had a lot of attacking players announced. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say that we get a couple defenders uh, to round out the uh, roster. All right, I I like that. I think you're also gonna hear Cito Sioni possibly in those two days. Uh huh. Um, and then I'm gonna go UEFA maybe maybe uh, you finally see him be announced because that's kind of one of those that seems like a no brainer, but right. he could be a cost issue. Um. So those are the other two that I could see in the next couple of days if it's not those two guys. All right. Well, when that happens, we will do another podcast and talk about some of those players being announced. Excellent. I think, yeah, we're going to make a point and we're going to go over once they, 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 we feel like they've done their announcements for the who's returning. Uh, I want to do, we'll do a quick reaction of who's not returning and, and what, what we're hoping to see, where we hope to see them show up. Um, whether or not we hope to see them make it, we think they'll mean championship or if we think they're going to stay in league one or possibly um, move back onto some leagues overseas. So we'll talk about that as well. Shout out to our buddy, Tony Walls scoring a game winner for St. Louis ambush in the uh, indoor soccer league. Dude, Congrats. I've, I've, I've watched his highlights from, from the indoor soccer. He, he is such a perfect player for that type of game yeah. because he's so good on his first touch and that game is like constant first touch. <laughs> so, yeah, shout, good good job, Tony. We're going to miss you. If it, and uh, hopefully we don't have to play against you and you end up in championship in the spring. So, <laughs> All right, so let's let's turn our attention to uh, – well, let's, let's first stay, stay in the States. Let's turn our attention to the men's national team playing against Canada. What's your first thoughts? So a 4-1 victory without Christian Pulisic – that's what they should be doing against a team like Canada. And so that's great. Congrats to Giassi's artists. Everyone knows that I'm not a Giassi's artist fan, but he scored two goals and he earned them both. Um, they he, weren't normal's artist goals. They weren't normal's artist goals. <laughs> he, uh, he earned them both. They came out, scored a goal in the first couple of minutes. 
they had another, I think, breakaway that made it a 2 nothing game before halftime. What I'll say is I still was not impressed. That was a 4-1 victory that they almost felt lucky to have. Yeah. And the the system of we're going to play out of the back had Canada been smart and played their best player, Alfonso Davies, up front would have punished them. They... It's just, you know, it was it was the same kind of, we're going to stay back, we're going to play out of the back and do this careful passing, but we weren't ready for that. And you hear all sorts of rumors about players with the U.S. national team, they get back to their clubs and they're excited and they're happy to be back somewhere else. And it almost just felt kind of like something that a lot of Red Wolves fans were familiar with in the middle of the season of this coaching system that seems to be stifling players and what they're trying to do and what they have the talent to do, as opposed to, hey, this is great. We get a chance to go out there and show what we can do. Now, I think you're 100% correct. And I I think it's only – if we had a competent uh, federation over U.S. soccer, it would be only a matter of time before Greg Bolhalter is no longer the head coach. I don't feel confident in that. And part of me is saying that off of reactions that I've read from Eric Wilnada, who is considered one of the biggest anti-USSF guys out there, uh-huh. and he was defending Greg Bohalter. If you've got that guy defending him, the guys inside are definitely defending him. And he's trying to say you know, that the people that are being critical of playing out of the back and all this stuff, they don't understand what it's like to run a U.S. national team. And I'm going, or they've just watched enough soccer to realize that was bad soccer. Like, it just didn't play well. Like, it didn't fit our strengths of our players. Like, it made no sense to build the team that way. And also, Brawlhalter's not even built that way, right? So, like, if the system Brawlhalter's claimed that he's been trying to put in is different than what he put out there to play Canada, to play Canada. Like, if we can't dictate our system that we want on Canada and we expect to play on the national stage, on Canada? Really? Canada? Well, and this is one of the things that's funny, and I'm going to give a shout-out to Jason W. Uh, from our friends at League One Fun, who, after we did a 7 nothing pasting of Cuba, everyone was ripping how stupid CONCACAF Nations League is and what a waste it is for Americans to be playing this, and it's not going to make them any better going against these kind of clubs. And then they promptly went out and played a 2 nothing dud of a loss to Canada. We're talking about the team that couldn't get a win on the road in Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, a tie. A tie. A tie against Trinidad and Tobago in order to move on and qualify for the World Cup. You know, they're they're not the sort of team that is spinning their wheels having to play against lesser competition. They are not able to dictate against these teams that they should be. There is enough talent in America that they can dictate against Canada and against Cuba. And they're in a situation now with this game coming up against Cuba on Tuesday that to me is the scariest of all they need is a one nothing victory against Cuba and they're moving on because they have the goal differential against Canada right now in the standings. But they're behind three points. They need the win to tie and then they move ahead with goal differential. All they need is that one nothing win. They're going to go on the road to Cuba and, you know, who knows? All of a sudden Cuba gets that goal early in the game and puts everyone back on their feet and it's literally Trinidad and Tobago all over again. We're in a Caribbean nation that we should be dominating and we're playing horrible, lackluster, lifeless soccer. So 
the soccer fan in me wants us to lose that game because I do not want Greg Bolhalter to be our coach when we're trying to make the World Cup. Fair. Like I want to lose that game. And maybe maybe that makes me a horrible person, but I, I would already knew that. I would rather lose that game twenty to nothing and get humiliated by Cuba than win that game one nothing and it be enough to keep Greg Rollhalter around. Sure. So that's just me. I I think it's a it's a crap show. I think it's just it it is what it is, and I think you're hundred percent right. I think players prefer to not be playing for their own national team. And you just don't see that other places. Like I you watch like players that are get call get the call, like where they do the videos for um, various teams do videos when they get the call from their coach that they're gonna get called up to the national team and they're crying about the opportunity to play right. for France in Euro qualifying. And it's like you guys are gonna be playing Podunkville. Oh, it's a big deal because you care. And our guys are like, Oh crap. I gotta go back and play. <laughs> Like, yeah. can't they find an MLS guy to go lose that game? I don't know. So, I'm with you there. One of the things that I think is hurting U.S. soccer is the constant look for a savior. Looking for Christian Pulisic to be the savior. Like, they tried to look to Landon Donovan to be the savior. And... Jordan Morris to be the savior. He was there for a little bit. Sure. (laughs) And the thing is, is that what they need is a generation. They need the Weston McKennies and the Serginio Dests, and they need Jordan Morris, who has had really good form lately. They need guys like Jackson Ewell and Will Trapp. But I'll stop real quick. Jordan Morris can be at peace, but he's not a savior, is what I'm trying to say. Well, but that's what I'm saying. We don't need a savior. We need a generation. We need a group, a core of players that are able to work together, that come in with a coach that understands what they can do and plays them to their strengths. So who's that coach? I don't know who that is. Uh, I hear that Unai, Unai Emery might be available sometime soon. Oh, please, for the love, let that be a thing. <laughs> because that's an upgrade two ways for me. I think Unai not being at Arsenal is an upgrade, and Lord knows he's an upgrade over Bullhalter. Come on. Anyways. Bullhalter, Freudian slip. So... <clears throat> Yeah, but I just I see that with those players. They need Weston McKinney, who has been hot and cold. He's had some good games, but other times, you know, this last game, it, it was almost like he wasn't on the field. Yeah. Jossie Zardis is not the answer. Josh Sargent isn't ready. Uh, Josie Altidore is never healthy. They've got to figure out something with the attack uh, to have a, a target man that's going forward. Um, so there's just some of those players that need to develop, that they need to look for. Uh, I liked what Aaron Long did in the center of defense. I've liked what Walker Zimmerman has done in the center of defense. I even liked Tim Ream, although he was playing on the outside this game. I like him more as a central defender. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin, Serginio Dest, Tyler Adams are all players that are going to be doing okay. Uh, I was... I'm ready to be off the John Brooks bandwagon. He was... He looked quite sluggish. He looked like Alex playing futsal out there that's not a compliment that's not a compliment so uh and that's the sort of thing you know they keep putting michael bradley in the lineup thank you for your service michael bradley but by the time we get to 2022 
you're not going to be a U.S. national team player anymore. We need to move on from someone like him. Honestly, I feel the same way with Josie Altidore. Not only is he never healthy, but it just feels like it's time to pass that torch to someone else. How old do you think Michael Bradley is? Oh, he's uh, he's about our age. He's 36, 35, 34. He's 32. He'll be around still. That's what worries me the most. He'll be 34. He'll be right in that little range. He'll be 34, almost 35. See, and the consistency of his performances just isn't there. I mean, it's it feels like he's older because he's been playing since he was like that, 17. And that's why I asked the question because I... I did. I was like, why are they? I said the same thing. I was like, why are they still playing? I was like, oh, because lots of people play in the World Cup when they're 34. Like it's their last one. Yeah. He's gonna be on the team. I almost guarantee it. Like, unless there's an injury, if, unless he's injured between now and then, like an injury that would create slowness, so a, a knee injury or right. something like that. I think he's gonna be on the team. I think it, it's just he's gonna be the last holdover, in my opinion, of of that group from from there. I mean, Altidore's 30, so he'll be 32, so he'll still be around. Will he be healthy? That's a huge if. So I think both those guys are still going to be there. He'll be, they'll be the last kind of handing it over. This will be their last World Cup. I think both of them are still going to be there. But Altidore's probably going to be injured. Yeah, I mean, that's a given. <laughs> let's, be, let's be fair. Alright, so we've ranted a little bit about men's national team. Let's let's go over the other side of the world. Let's look a little bit real quick at um, the Euro 2020 qualifiers because that kind of is in the same same boat because it's still national teams. Have you been keeping up with that much? Uh, paid a little bit of attention. Watched the first half of Northern Ireland Netherlands from Saturday, knowing that that was one. Northern Ireland still had a bit of a chance to qualify if they could get a couple results. I think their draw to the Netherlands has pretty much put them out. Um, there were some other games this weekend that were um, important in um, Monday. So this will have already happened if you guys will jump in the time machine with me. Republic of Ireland is going to be playing Denmark, and that's like a game that decides a qualification spot between the two of them. So if you're like us and you work for a living, well, if you're like me and you work during the day, Thanks for thanks for clarifying that. Uh, you know, set the DVR, come home, watch that on ESPN Plus on demand. That's probably going to be a a pretty awesome one to watch. And uh, just you know, give a shout out to our Irish brethren of Eamon Zide and Stephen Beattie and Colin Falvey uh, to see what Ireland can do and if they can qualify for the Euro. Um, for the most part, it seems like they're they're pretty much set, and most of the teams that you would expect are there. Uh, I don't know that there. Do you have anyone that's a surprise for you that's qualified so far, or anyone that's on the bubble? Um, I'm looking at like who's qualified so far. It's pretty much who you expect: uh, Austria, Belgium, Croatia. All those kind of fit. Um, I'm not going to name the big teams because everybody expects the big teams. Um, maybe Ukraine is a little bit of a surprise um, because they were kind of on that bubble edge. But no, I'm not. I'm not really that surprised by anybody that's there so far. I would love to see Ireland make it mainly because like you kind of said, it's the, um, it, we've got three people that are from Ireland. So you've even got someone like Connor Doyle who actually played for the, um, Irish national team when he was under 18. So there's technically four connections to Ireland that were on the Red Bulls last year. So 
that just from the Red Bulls fan standpoint, I'd like to see them go on because then you're, you're going to see how excited they are. So the, the darlings of Euro 2016, Iceland and Wales are both out. So it would be a lot of fun to see Ireland as a team, not one that tends to qualify very often. Uh, and even maybe, you know, Ukraine could be one of those teams that's the, the dark horse that kind of comes on the scene and becomes an interesting one for people to follow and watch. Uh, Finland, I think Finland will be another one uh, that people will be looking for because they're not a team that normally is in a lot of these international competitions. So people who can kind of recreate what Wales and Iceland did in that year of 2016. So I'm waiting for the uh, Mega Millions ticket in my pocket to hit. And I definitely hope to be going to check out some of those games live. But chances are I'll be watching them here. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a given. I, I know I'll be here. Let me put it that way. Uh, so, Yeah. All right, so other side, when it comes to Europe, some of the European leagues, uh, they're about a third of the way through. Anything you want to point out that's really uh, surprising to you or, or that you didn't expect to see at this point? All right, let's do a brief survey. We'll start with La Liga. You've, of course, got the regular three at the top. Never mind La Liga. That's pretty much what we expected. Yep. Uh, we go to Germany in the Bundesliga, however. We have Borussia Mönchengladbach. Is that, the, is that the USL pronunciation or is that the actual yeah. pronunciation? And uh, Red Bull Leipzig won two in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich right now at third place. Borussia Dortmund at sixth. I don't believe Borussia Dortmund right now is even qualified for either of the European tournaments. What do you think about that? Well, I do. I think it's... One of the things that's interesting is they are very bunched up from two all the way down, honestly, to eight is separated by three points. So they are very, very bunched up still. Sure. Um, so they're one of those leagues. That I think I haven't watched enough to, to be able to speak confidently with it, but I think you're going to see, see Byron end up in the top two. I think you'll probably see Dortmund end up in the top four. I just I think that's what ends up happening and it will happen again. Uh, also in Serie A, Inter Milan having a pretty good run, and their derby of AC Milan right now sitting at 14th. What say you about AC Milan and their struggles? You know what? It reminds me a lot of the struggles that you're seeing with um, Tottenham. It It's kind of somewhat confusing because they're – they're a better team than 14th. Like when you look at the talent on the team, uh-huh. you look at their losses like that they're having, they're not getting massively blown out. Like they lose to Roma 2-1, they they lose to Juventus by one. Like you go back and you look at it, like they're not having these blowout losses except for like to enter Milan they lost, you know, 2 nothing, but that's the biggest blowout loss. So they I they're another team I expect to move up quickly. But, the, yeah, it's surprising to see them that low, and I think it's similar to Tottenham. So, moving on, just a quick look at English Championship. I'm just going to read you the top six teams right now that are uh, in the promotion. So, they're they're the ones that qualify for promotion playoff or automatic promotion. We have West Bromwich Albion. We have Preston North End, Leeds, Swansea, Nottingham Forest, and Bristol City. So who of those 
would you say would be kind of a tasty addition to English Premier League? Um, it, so a lot of them have been there recently, so I'd like to see Preston because they haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, even Bristol City maybe. But looking at the, at the, the makeup of the, of the teams and such and the quality that they, they bring to the, the game um, – West Brom plays a very heavy. They get scored on. They score, and so it's a lot of scoring, which is which is fun to watch. Um, so I've been told. Yeah, Leeds is a low scoring team. They don't score a ton. They just defend really well. Sure. I don't really think that's going to help them when it comes to the Premier League. <laughs> so I, I would like to see either either Preston just to see someone different or to see um, see West Brom make it back. Uh, I'm a fan of Nottingham Forest, just because. That just makes me think of the Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood and all that kind of stuff because I'm a dork. I, I really want Sheffield Wednesday back because I just love their name and the fact that it's, <laughs> it came from the fact that that's who practiced on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, I think that's just classic. Like we've been around forever when our name indicates when we practiced on the field. So they are certainly in range. I believe uh, Fulham's in seventh. They're also in range. And I believe they, they're uh, Aaron Long uh, American plays with them. So yeah. that's an American connection that you would love to see. Uh, that's really all that I have. Now, Wait, let's... Real quick before we go on, though. Both Middlesbrough and Stoke City, who have recently been in the Premier League, uh-huh. are sitting in the bottom three of the championship right now. And uh, Stoke is sitting with 11 points, so they're thoroughly in there. Um, Middlesbrough's got 13 and sitting above them. But that's another thing to kind of keep your eye on. Middlesbrough was in the Premier League very recently. So it's one of those things where, you know, we don't have promotion relegation here, but people don't realize how much, like, how quickly you can fall. Right. That yeah. Those two, they're they're in the bottom three. The bottom three are ones that would be relegated. Yeah. So and that's not like a playoff to save their lives. They're they're down. Yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of one of the things that that it, that's always interesting to kind of keep your eye on, like how far do those teams that were recently there, how far do they fall? Um, because if I'm if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, what, it was just last year that – no, it was two years ago that Middlesbrough was in the Premier League. It was right. two years ago. They finished seventh last year in the championship. Um, so they're definitely dropping. And um, Stoke finished 16th. So two teams that are just kind of going the wrong direction. So anyways, let's move on to the Premier League. Moving on, looking at Premier League, uh, where, of course, we want to spend most of our time because I know that's where most of us watch games. So – uh, sad news, looking at the top five, and I don't see a cannon, Yeah, we're or si- as my son likes to say, a canyon. Uh, we're sitting sixth, tied in points with Sheffield United. Oh, but, wow. Okay, so you've played 12 games and you have a negative one goal differential. Wow. Uh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're super excited about our coach. Um, nothing like, like losing games that you just shouldn't lose. Um, I'd like to repeat my theory of Unai Emery as the Derek Dooley of oh, English Premier League soccer. Yeah. There's just, you, you go back and you look like for, game. For reference folks, uh, Arsene Wenger would be the Philip Fulmer. So that's not accurate. Uh, Arsene Wenger was way better a coach than Philip Fulmer ever dreamed of being. Um, but I, I get where you're trying to make a reference there. 
yeah, it's been a bad season. Like, there's no one out there who's claiming it has has been a good season for for Arsenal so far. It, it's been ugly. I mean, it, it it's not Tottenham ugly, right? And that's the thing that's weird to me is everyone's talking about Emery out. Why are we not hearing more ab- about Pochettino going away? Like, he's 14th. Like, we're at least still qualified for Europa at this point. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Pretty rough for Tottenham right now. Yeah, 12 games, 14 points. Uh, Manchester United is not really setting the world on fire as well in 7th. So we'll re-up kind of a topic that I talked about. So right now, um, part of the top 6, you have Leicester City sitting in 2nd, tied on points with Chelsea, uh, who's been a delightful surprise. I I think a lot of folks figured if anyone was going to drop to 14th, it'd be Chelsea. Yeah. uh, Out of that big 6. Yeah. Congrats to Christian Pulisic on having a great run of form, but the team as a whole has looked really good, very dynamic attacking again. Uh, so they've been they've been fun to watch when I put their games on. Uh, Manchester City sitting at fourth. Uh, Sheffield United recently promoted right now, sitting at fifth. Yeah, that won't last. Do you, so you say that won't last? I understand that. Do you think Leicester is one that's going to stay in that top part of the, mm, the table? After watching them in the game versus Arsenal, I think. I think it's highly possible that they'll stay around, partly because just the drop off from fourth to on down is significant. Sure, like even in points, it's significant, but it's also it's sig- a uh, twelve point difference between Manchester United, or I'm sorry, Manchester City and Sheffield United. It's twelve point difference between those two. Twelve points. No, that is incorrect. Alex is bad at math. That would be eight points. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but even then, eight points is significant. Like you have to to overtake them, you have to win three and then lose three in a row. Right. So, so eight points is significant, it, it, and that's just against a city. Leicester's sitting there nine points ahead, right? Sure. So I think you're a third of the way through the season. You're nine points up on being out of the championship spots or the Champions League spots. You feel pretty good if you're Leicester. Um, Leicester's played a pretty good schedule so far. In all honesty, like they they beat Arsenal two nothing. They've got a couple other, like, they lost to Liverpool, but only by one, which showed a good showing for them. They've already beaten Tottenham. Um, they tied Chelsea, so they've played some games. Like, it's not like they're only playing uh, the lower-end teams. Sheffield United, you, you can't fully say the same. Like, they've they've still got some really big games ahead, and I think you're going to see them come back to the pack. And Arsenal and Man United will kind of come back up to those comfortably in the fifth and sixth spots so you know a little more of the schedule than i do do does tottenham's form currently have anything to do with maybe it's a stiffer schedule early in the season than some other teams have faced well it it would be fun to say that for for them like if you go back and you look like well they played leicester right well then they beat crystal palace for nothing they tied us they lost to newcastle nobody's talking about Newcastle setting things on fire. Um, Granted, they played Man City early on. Uh, Lost to Brighton. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say, like, there's there's games in there, and they didn't just lose to Brighton. They lost 3-0 to Brighton. Um, They tied Watford. Like, these are not teams that that you should be tying and losing to if you're going to be in the top four. They're going to be hoping to be fighting for a top six spot. Sure. Um, And... You know, I joke about them. Why is no one asking for their coach to stand on? Because their coach has proved himself over the last few years that no one's going to be asking for that, unlike Emery, who has not proved anything. Um, so 
I get that, but they're 14th and it makes me happy. I'd be even happier if they were 14th and we were third, <laughs> but I'm, I'm okay with them being 14th. I, I root for them to be, um, honestly, I'm rooting for them to be 18th, <laughs> but I, I think that they, they're, they're good enough that we're not going to have to worry about that considering they, they do have a six point lead on Watford, but there's Watford who they tied sitting in 18th, right? Um, there's Newcastle who they lost to sitting one point above them. Like there's a lot of games in there that they just should not had had happen that they had happen. Yeah. So that Watford sounds like a terrible team. Uh, did they play a game against Arsenal? Let's not focus on these things, okay? What was what was the score of that match? Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. Like we already know how frustrated I am. Let's just let's not go down that road. Let's just let's just leave it where it is. And yeah, Arsenal has 17 points for a reason. It's not because we're setting it on fire either. Uh, oh, that Watford game was crap. Oh my gosh. Like we we tied them, but we shouldn't have even tied them. <laughs> like we should have lost. We should have lost that game, and we barely beat Burnley. We barely beat Newcastle, but we beat them. You bunch of Spurs. <laughs> um, yeah, it was bad. It's bad. So it it is to be. It is to be expected. It was bad. All right. Well, the last thing that I want to mention, we've got a uh, Alex's airing of grievances. So gather around the aluminum pole, children. It's time for the airing of grievances. Not a lot of information, but there was a news uh, put out by Timbers.com. It was all of one paragraph. Major League Soccer has terminated the contract for Brian Fernandez, and the player has been removed from the Timbers roster. So, I mean, I know that that's like a three-hour marathon press conference when you pair that with a lot of the announcements that we get from the Red Wolves, but when he was brought in, I was very excited about the signing, and a friend of ours who uh, was a Red Bull season ticket holder and part of the Alphas, uh, also a Timbers fan, mentioned to me, um, you know, there's a lot of ghosts in his past, and I hope that those don't come back and haunt him. Well, they've come back and haunted us. And first of all, I would just say I really hope that he is getting the help that he needs uh, and getting himself healthy uh, because, I, you know, I want the best for him. This was the risk that they brought on, and, and so it's hurt them, and it leaves a big hole. They've got a player in Diego Valeri who is uh, falling apart. I shouldn't say falling apart, but he's coming to the end of his prime, um, and so he was a piece that was going to help kind of keep that attack going, and that's, that's going to be an issue. And uh, I am sad, and you are completely unsympathetic. And uh, and that hurts. I'm hurt. You're hurting me right now. It hurts. <laughs> I, I know he was your spirit animal. Um, I have a hard time. Like I don't feel bad for Josh Gordon when he gets kicked out of the league for for pot. I don't get feel bad for people who self implode and were given every possible opportunity. Um, this guy does have a, more than just his drug issues in his past as well. So he had checked himself into treatment before the playoffs started, and you could see quite a bit of erratic behavior the few games before the end of the season. You could kind of see that this was coming. Yeah. 
uh, unless you were so on the train that you ignored all the signs. Two yeah. thumbs pointing this way. I, I, feel, I do feel bad from the standpoint of fans were excited about him, like yourself, but I, I'm not, I just have a hard time feeling bad for a guy who implodes, who, because of self-inflicted wounds. Um, it's like I don't feel bad for a guy who injures his, his knee because he was snowboarding in the offseason and he can't sure. make it to, to a baseball practice or whatever, or the, what's his name that blew up his hand doing fireworks for the New York Giants. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't feel bad for I have a hard time feeling bad for those guys. The guy who's training to get ready for the season and blows his ACL, um, what happened to Tua in the Alabama um, college football game, I genuinely feel bad yeah, for those guys. it was really great that there was just that one college football game for them to report on. Yeah. All Saturday. <laughs> That's a whole other airing of grievances. I, genu- I genuinely feel bad for Tua with what happened. Like yeah. you said, it's it's a horrible injury and something that really could have a, a long-range effect on his entire They're saying career. it could be a Bo Jackson but injury. It was just yeah. funny how that was basically the only thing anyone chose to talk about all day. Saturday. Yeah, but that's kind of what I get. So that's why I, I sure. make jokes. I, I, I comment on <laughs> when you sent that to me, I responded with a meme of somebody that may or may not have been snorting um, powdered sugar. Uh it's just hard for me to feel bad for a player that was given every opportunity and shined, and I feel like probably wasn't having the issues during the shine part of the early season, and then you just saw it spiral downward, and that spiral downward. Now, granted, addiction's a, addiction's a pain, right? Addiction's right. not something that – and so I, I get it from that standpoint. I, I get that addiction's a real, a real problem. I get that addiction's something that people genuinely struggle with. I just feel like – you earned it on your own. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't something that you were forced to go out and do something you weren't wanting to do. You got someone hit you, a drunk driver hit you in a car. Like those are the ones that I feel bad for the guy who may or may not have been doing illicit drugs. And that's why he's out of the league. I get it. I know that it makes me sound harsh. I know that it makes me sound like I don't care. And that's not what I'm saying. Like I fully understand that addiction is a real problem for people. I get that there are people that genuinely want to be out of the cycle of addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol or something else. I'm not discounting that. What I am saying is I feel a lot worse for someone who gets a fluke injury than somebody who is having an extra uh, something outside of the game that is causing them to miss the game, if that makes sense. But all that to say, yeah – I'm sorry you lost your favorite player. That that's never fun. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably never going to jump on that bandwagon of like that. It's not something he did himself. So, so anyway, so I don't I don't think we had anything else that we were planning on covering uh, when it came to. Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything we talked about. Wanted to cover uh, before we go. We do want to thank our sponsors and of course thank the Beautiful Game Network. Um, as always, we are uh, brought to you as part of the Beautiful Game Network. And I remind you every time uh, you guys listen to this to check out uh, the various podcasts within BGN. Um, there's some really great stuff out there and not just League One focus, but even just going on the League One stuff. Um, League One Fun brings a ton of information, a ton of of great content, and I would highly recommend uh, going out there and, and checking that out. Uh, I think it's Im- important that we get a, a more well-rounded view of not just the Red Wolves, but of the league as a whole, and that's a great way to do it. Um, 
But yeah, we also want to thank specifically our sponsor. We want to thank uh, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. So uh, you got anything else before we head out you want to talk about, Alex? Well, that's all we got. Another right. episode in the can. Sweet. Reach out to us at Soccer Chat on Twitter, Instagram, possibly coming soon. You, know you can works. find us on newfangled young kids stuff. Facebook. We certainly don't have a TikTok <laughs> or a Flam Blam or uh, any of those other things <laughs> that are coming out. Okay, Boomer. Y'all have a good one. So, final segment. We're going to call this non-soccer chat. Uh, it's just a yes or no question. Do you think that Miles Garrett should get the death penalty or just life in prison? <laughs> uh, I, 